And this is The Bill Myers Show. Resident scholar at Institute for Policy Innovation, IPI.org, Dr. Merrill Matthews. He's over in Texas, and we love him on the show. We like to talk to him every now and then about economics and various other issues there. Doc, welcome back to the show. Good to have you on. Thank you for having me. Love to be back. All right. Always an enjoyable conversation with you here. And uh, did you end up watching, I, I call it the kids' table Republican uh, debate, you know, the kids' table uh, they're they're just so far behind uh, Donald Trump in the polling, but you know someone's got to make some noise, right? I mean, that's really what last night was about, wasn't it? What was your overall take on that? Just curious. Oh, you know, I um, I thought it was interesting. I was I was glad Donald Trump wasn't there so that you could let the others sort of work among themselves. Agreed. Uh, I, I don't I don't come away thinking anyone really shined. I. You know, Ron DeSantis seemed like kind of the uh, kind of the next best thing. I'm not sure that he came across as strong. Mike Pence and I, I knew Mike Pence back when he was uh, in the think tank world. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, I, I like what he says. There's just there's so many of them that just seem that would be great presence, but just something doesn't seem to be uh, I don't know striking and and as compelling. It saying, saying drawing me to them. So I thought Nikki Haley did better than I really anticipated last night. And there has been a movement out there to uh, to try to go and draft Glenn Youngkin, the the uh, governor of Virginia, to jump in this race. And he's sort of kept his options open. And there might need to be another person in it. Well, it's uh, hard to say how. I don't know what the polling or if there has been any push polling or snap polling after this. I imagine we'll probably see some of that as time goes on. But yeah. the mission was obviously first off we got to get Ramaswamy right. Would you agree that's kind of, that's kind of what this was going on? We got to get Vivek Vivek Ramaswamy, or at least we got to punch some holes in him because he's sort of been the uh, the latest media darling, the it guy, so to speak. Wouldn't you he, say? He has, has, and there there's been uh, stories that uh, uh, that Rupert Murdoch, the owner of the Wall Street Journal and, and Fox News, has been telling his people to uh, to push him to to promote. Ramaswamy more. I'm not sure why, uh, but it's uh, it, it's just yes. He he seems to come as the young, uh, somewhat un uh, the, the inexperienced person. But he did a good job as far as being able to sort of gain attention. I think he got the most the most time up there, and uh, uh, I I think Nikki. You know, I, I I'm glad Nikki Haley sort of was was aggressive. I thought she did a good job. I really wanted to see Tim Scott come up and and uh, I, I don't think I don't he, think it's in Tim I Scott's I don't think it's in Tim Scott's nature though Tim Scott you know say what you will it almost seems like he's like he's trying out for vice president in my opinion just kind of w- yeah. watching it is is what it is and you know decent man really good guy I mean just no doubt oh, absolutely I, yeah. I just don't know if uh, if it if it's uh, presidential timber quite yet you know it's those sort of things and. Nikki Haley, though I would dare say, is part of the uh, Republican ba- of the Republican Party base that is very much uh, interventionist foreign policy. Would that be a fair thing to say? And that's really what what uh, she was going, and that's what she and Vivek got into it. You know, really over last night. Well, the interventionist policy. Uh, if you look at John Bolton as sort of the interventionist side, right? John Bolton does not think uh, Nikki Haley has uh, what it takes to to do that. So uh, there, there's. 
it, it's a struggle here because on the one hand, we don't want to be the world's policeman. On the other hand, we are the leading economy in the world. And there are lots of places in the in the world where we don't go and get in, jump in there. Uh, yeah, we don't get, we don't we, we don't get involved should. with every despot everywhere, you know, around the world. But there are there are certain ones. Of course, we've had a, a, a big one for Russia for a long time. You know, we that's uh, that's right. been going on for quite some time. And uh, now DeSantis, of course, clearly not on uh, wanting to wanting to fund, you know, Ukraine to the extent that we have been. He was pretty clear on yeah, that. Yeah, he seems to want to back up, backtrack some on that. And, and uh, I think a few of the others did as well. I'm I'm of the opinion that Ukraine is different than most of the other, simply because of uh, of Putin and the alliance with China and the potential for a growing. Uh, uh, Autocratic block out there. So I, I wouldn't it make sense though to be a little, everything in Ukraine, right? Yeah, I would be a little more concerned, you know. And I and I'm not a geopolitical whiz, and I don't claim to be. All right, so but I but I am just a regular guy, you know, watching this, and I would be a little more concerned of uh, the China takeover around us in, in our various areas of interest. I think you know at this moment. And I think in some respects, when we've weaponized the dollar, did we not, in essence, push push Russian, uh, Russia into China's uh, arms to a certain extent, you know, by saying, hey, we're going to beat you over the head with the dollar. We're going to take you out of the uh, system, et cetera, et cetera, and sanction it all up. It's kind of an issue, wouldn't you think? Yeah, and and they and Russia has managed to sort of uh, it it has some struggles, but it's basically working with China and it sidestepped that, and it's uh, it has some financial challenges. But because <laughs> one of the uh, one of the uh, uh, the great uh, statements last night, I think, was that Russia has become China's uh, gas tank. Yeah, China can buy an awful lot of. Uh, of energy from Russia and use that, and Russia can then turn around and use that money to buy an awful lot of products from China. Yeah, and meanwhile, we, we sit around here and decide that we're going to uh, go with uh, chaotic and intermittent and non-on-demand energy, and we're going to be rich with that, Doctor. Right? Oh boy! <laughs> oh, <sighs> this is the, it, it's it is absolutely crazy. And what they're doing right now in trying to force a market that doesn't really that the that the consumers aren't ready for yet it's just creating more problems and you see this as the uh, the car companies are having to cut prices on their uh, electric vehicles because people aren't up to buying them yet and they keep cutting the prices and then you get uh, supplies them and then you you have the companies struggling to try to make to try to live up to the government expectations and not the consumers expectations yeah but even then it's uh, you know people i think have figured out you know for the longest time the automotive press with rare exception i talk with an automotive journalist quite often here on my show and he's talked about how they were all in on this and covering up for the deficiencies of the electric agenda the electric vehicle agenda and now it's oh, yeah. and, and now after a number of years a few years of this they can't hide it anymore and then people uh you know buy their electric car their the range anxiety is there a charging system is it going to set itself on fire in my garage by itself overnight you know there's there's a, there's a lot that really wasn't talked much about 
except with rare exceptions. And California has proposed California has proposed something in which they could draw the uh, it, the uh, uh, energy from cars who are hooked up to the uh, to the grid uh, charging. If there was a power shortage or yep. something, they could pull from the cars. And you sit there and think, wait a minute. So the so so the wildfires coming. You told me I need an electric car. I had it charged up just in case, but now I go out and and, and you've drained my my yeah. car and I can't escape the wildfire. Exactly because it because the grid was unstable same policy in the state of oregon too doctor yeah they've done they've done the same sort of thing in other words it's uh it's your electric car technically you know that sort of thing but you're part of the grid stability program you know overnight oh you just gotta love it you you can't make this kind of garbage up all right you you uh, can't and and (laughs) and the media just simply won't point out any of the contradictions in this stuff yeah, indeed. I'm talking with Dr. Merrill Matthews once again, resident scholar at the Institute for Policy Innovation, IPI.org. I wanted to focus on something else. You had an interesting policy bite the other day. I wanted to shift to that a little bit. I, it just, just um, it made me uh, smile that someone was getting into it because what we hear, especially from the political left, is the gender pay gap. And it's something which is used uh, with as a political bludgeon. Of such, and you hear a lot of talk about equal pay for equal work. Well, a lot of times there is, or I guess most of the time, there probably is equal pay for equal work. But what is equal work? Because I, I think there's right. been a, a, a lot of uh, shenanigans on how they define equal work right now. And I was wondering, you, you kind of broke this down in your latest policy bites. Really good. So when when they talk about uh, men making more than women, what they're talking about is the median weekly earnings full-time men and women 18 years and older. It comes from the Federal Reserve Bank. Mm-hmm. And if you go and you look at the Federal Reserve Bank, uh, figure on that, the median weekly earning of a man, this is salary and wages, $391 per week. The median weekly earning for women is $330 per week. And so when you uh, uh, calculate that up, that's about 16 cents different, 16% different, 84 cents for a woman versus a yeah. uh, dollar for a man. And that's the gender pay gap that they've been talking about for some time. And incidentally, uh, I, I just pulled up the uh, the Wall Street Journal covered this for the White House here on August the 7th and found a 20 percent uh, gender pay gap in the White House. I'm reading here the uh, the median man on the on Mr. Biden's staff earns $105,000, while the median woman gets $84,000. What happened to Mr. Biden's progressive notions of equity? Right. And of course, the, the issue is that uh, what it's the jobs are different. Think uh, hours can be different. A whole range of things. And so it's not just you can't just take the median man and just, can't just take the median woman. And Bill, about six, seven months ago, they came out with one that said the media, the uh, the gender pay gap between a Hispanic woman and a white male it was even bigger, and they still didn't didn't uh, what 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 jobs do the uh, Hispanic women have? What jobs do the white males have? What education is there? It's just a range of different things, but the left loves doing this, and so. Um, the, uh, there, there was a book came out recently from uh, Senator Phil Graham. Some of your listeners will remember him, Robert Eakland and John Early. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, I've interviewed John early about this. The name of the book is The Myth of American Inequality, How Government Biases Policy Debate. And John Early was at the uh, the uh, Bureau of Labor Statistics. He was a, a deputy director there, I think. And at any rate, he we um, uh, he lists some of the things there, and I just sort of picked up on that. But uh, what he has done, but one of the things he points out, he says the Census Bureau, when they're calculating this, they count 35 hours as a full as a full time job, 35 hmm. hours a week. Okay, and he said, but. It turns out that uh, men end up putting in about two hours more per week than women on average. And even if everybody was the same thing, you take the women and you take the men, and the men work two hours more a week on average than the women, there would be a, a gender pay gap uh, between men and women. Just because of hours worked. And then you also Just have because to— of hours worked. And then do, do they actually look at the difficulty and or danger involved in certain jobs? Because some of the most physically demanding and dangerous jobs, a lot of the guys get into them. You know, the adrenaline junkies, you know, those kind of things. And a lot of times they tend to yes, be yes, very high paying. Yes, indeed. Do they not? They absolutely do. Uh, they they don't do it in those in those median weekly earnings, but when you go when various groups go and look at the uh, uh, the the types of jobs that people uh, take, yes, men tend to take jobs that are more dangerous, longer hours, and that uh, could be more difficult. Uh, and women tend to take them in less percentage. You wouldn't have to have a big split on that to have. Um, to have uh, to show a a gender pay gap there, and I would also add that men pay a heavy price well, sometimes for that with with much higher rates of on the job injuries too. Exactly right. Yes, and another thing that uh, John Early pointed out in the book, which I had not thought about, I thought was very interesting. He says that for teachers, and we've got about three point six million public and private school teachers out there in the country. He said the uh, they they average a thirty their standard week a uh, year is thirty eight weeks per year, mm-hmm. but the Census Bureau comes and counts it as fifty two weeks. Now that automatically sort of lowers because you're saying you're taking how much I, they pay me for thirty eight weeks and now you're saying that's for fifty two that would lower the amount I make per week. Oh, so but, they fu- they fudge the numbers. The teachers have a lot of time off during the. Uh during the summer that they could be doing another job if they wanted to, you know, in most districts there. But uh, they're saying, in other words, uh, since women are disproportionately public school teachers, isn't that the case? There are more public school teachers who are women than uh, than men. Right. It wouldn't wouldn't make a difference from from the weekly earnings and the gender pay gap if you had exactly the same number of men as as women teaching in public school or or teaching school. But in fact, it's roughly 75% women and 25% men. So if you've got well, that's 3.6 million people that you end up uh, uh, saying that, that you skews the numbers downward because more are women than men teaching in schools. Yeah, and uh, and they'll say 38. They'll they'll take 38 weeks, make it a 52 week uh, equivalent, which then makes it look like they're making less overall. Right. And okay, see, isn't it interesting how Democratic policy people uh, try to uh, keep that. Uh, that gender gap and the inequality and keeping people fighting at one another's, uh, uh, you know, throats, you know, over this kind of stuff. Pretty interesting, isn't it? Absolutely. One of the really interesting figures he comes out with in the uh, in the book is he says the uh, the book claims that women who have never married, they're not married, haven't married, they have a there's a nine cent gender pay gap there. 
married women have a 22 cent gender pay gap, mm-hmm. and women who have been widowed, divorced, or separated have an 18 cent pay gap. And what that's trying to show is that women oftentimes, and this, this was true in my house, uh, Bill, when, when, when we started having children, my wife said, my wife was working, she said, I want to raise our children, I want to, I want to be the one to do it, and, you know, different families make different decisions, but that's what we decided, so she quit work, and for several years she did not work in the normal place, she, was, <laughs> she worked in the home, and, uh, you know, once the kids got a little older, she, would, she uh, took a job uh, uh, one uh, one day a week with a uh, doing the uh, church dinner, and then uh, later on she went uh, to uh, uh, retail sales, which was didn't make a lot of money, but it gave her more flexibility. So we're the we're the experience of this. If you have when education, uh, you decide you want more flexibility in your job, you're willing to do other things make less in order to be able to have more flexibility and so forth. When you put all that in there, that addresses all, virtually all of what they call the gender pay gap, and my family experienced that. I'm kind of curious how this uh, goes uh, longer as we, uh, right now, couldn't we arguably say that there is an educational gap between men and women right now? Because... Many more women go to college than men these days. There, Didn't used there, to be there that is way. now, but that has been changing. Women have been increasingly going to college, and, in, and indeed, one of the things that uh, John earlier pointed out in there, uh, in his book, I don't mention it in the piece, but one of the things he pointed out was that uh, when you, one survey's done of the top paying top 10 paying professions women were a majority in only one of them in the bottom 10 paying professions women were a majority in nine of them and but that is changing as women move into engineering uh healthcare uh medical doctors other uh attorneys and so forth they've uh, they've been uh increasingly going into those professions, and that's making a huge difference. And so the gender pay gap over the years has been declining, and I suspect over the next 10 or 15 or 20 years, we'll see it go significantly smaller, just because women are taking higher-paying jobs. They can be more demanding jobs, but they're taking higher-paying jobs, getting more education, and moving into the high-paying profession. That's pretty interesting. What is the real pay gap once you take all of the distortions which – the political types have tried building into the arguments about pay gap. Yeah, my, uh, my the economists who've worked on this say when you take out all the various things and you sort of make it real apples to apples, there's about a one and a half percent cent pay gap there. So women make eighty ninety eight point five cents for every dollar a man makes when you factor in all those other things. So, but you are talking about the same work, same conditions. Same jobs kind of thing. Is that where you're coming from? Exactly. Okay. And, and, and just to point out, it's, it's illegal to pay women less than it was than, than men for the same work. And, you know, I'm old enough that I remember my mother. Uh, she worked almost uh, her whole life full time. And uh, there was a time when she was making less than men doing the same job. And she told me that. And, and this was this was a different generation. But yep. she said, you know, that's okay because he's got a family to feed. I was a youngster at the time and didn't think much about it. But, you know, he's got a family to feed. And I, and, uh, and I don't have that same obligation. Um, and so, but that's changed now. And if you're doing the same job, you should be making the same money with experience and other things. Education can make a difference in that. Yeah, but I can remember. 
remember a bit of that uh, going on back when I was a little kid like that. Uh, you know, my wife Linda had remarked one time when she was working for Harry and David back in the day, when you talk about, well, these people have families, right? When the holidays would right. come around, and she was uh, she was single at that time, when the holidays would come around, uh, she would never get the holidays off because he would say, well, you know, these other people, these other full-timers, they need time off because they have families. And then she would say, well, what, was I hatched? <laughs> you know, that, that kind of things. But still, ultimately, a lot of the uh, so-called pay gap that uh, especially Democratic politicians talk about a lot really is a matter of people making different choices with their lives and what they value more. Would that be a fair assessment, ultimately, from the economist's viewpoint? That absolutely is a fair assessment. Absolutely is a fair assessment. In some cases, they just they have struggles. They haven't been able to get the education or other things. But yes, it is not a factor of employers uh, discriminating against women as much as people making different choices. And that's shown in that, that difference between uh, people who've never, women who've never married, people who have been married, and people who are divorced or separated. Those women, if you've never been married or you've been divorced, you may have more time to put in. You may be looking for the higher paying job less, you know, with less, less flexibility and things of that nature. You wouldn't, if it was based upon women, you wouldn't have that difference between married, non-married, and divorced. And I would also figure that if uh, if men were that much more expensive because uh, everyone's just paying men more just because they're men, uh, men wouldn't be getting hired. That's that's something that <laughs> that you know if 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 men were just more expensive because they were men, right? You know, it, it doesn't make any sense. It never made sense to I, me. I, I think that's absolutely right. That's uh, it, it's if. You, if you're an employer and you could uh, hire a woman for less than you could a man and she can do the job, you would be wise to hire the woman instead of the man. Yeah, and you got the same work in the on-call or anything else, depending on the type of job that you have. That It's true. All right. See, I think we can uh, we can come to a reasonable, and there's actually data to back this up. I'm going to share this. This is a really interesting uh a policy bite here, Making Sense, C-E-N-T-S, of the gender pay gap. And it's Dr. Merrill Matthews, resident scholar at the Institute for Policy Innovation, IPI.org. Doctor, great talk. Thanks for coming on, and uh, we will talk to you again soon. You be well. Thank you, Bill.